And when you find yourself in a dark place, the best thing to do is this, is to begin to nurture and nourish and cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God that will enable you to understand exactly what He is doing and why He has allowed this into our lives in order that He will strengthen us and mature us and draw us to Himself in an ever-increasing, deeper fashion. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. Uh, we would like to uh, invite uh, Mr. Alex Dodd, a 10th grader from Traveler's Rest High School, uh, to give us a little update on a special mission program called Release Time. Alex, we welcome you and we look forward to hearing about this remarkable ministry. Thank you, sir. Good morning. Uh, like you said, my name is Alex Dodd, and I'm a 10th grade student at Traveler's Rest High School. Uh, I'm here on behalf of Christian Learning Centers of Greenville County, and our executive director, Miss Janice, over here. Wave, Miss Janice. <laughs> but Release Time just celebrated its 50th anniversary of Release Time Education, and they get Christ into the school in an interesting way. Uh, in middle school, students are bused from their school to a church or once a week uh, where they can learn about Christ and how they can grow in Him. In high school, they're bused to a church every day for a semester and can actually earn or high school credit uh, toward graduation. Release time is changing the lives of my friends and peers uh, at Traveler's Rest and at high schools and middle schools across the county. Uh, I've seen students come to salvation through release time uh, as well as grow spiritually, exponentially, and that helps myself as well. Uh, just learning about Christ uh, throughout the semester. I'd like to thank you at First Pres uh, for your giving uh, that helps with release time, funding the programs, and getting the buses uh, to where Christ can be uh, shared with students at my school. Also, uh, if you could grab this out of your order of service, uh, there's a yellow card uh, where you can fill out your information and you can get involved with release time and get updates on what's going on. Uh, we'd like to get programs started at J.L. Mann and Greenville High Schools and filling out one of these and talking to Miss Janice would go a long way in getting that started. Once again, thank you for your giving and your faithful service toward release time and getting Christ back into the schools. Alex, young man, we thank you. I believe this kid's going to be a preacher. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Today we're turning to Acts chapter 16, and you'll find it on page 1720 of the Church Bible. Page 1720, Acts 16, beginning at verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. 
And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Amen, and we trust that God will bless to us this reading from His holy word. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you are not quite sure what to do? About three weeks ago, I had an odd experience on a Monday afternoon, and I found myself clenching my fist and moving my arm up and down, and I was getting pain in this arm, and I thought, that's strange. And I did what most men do. I tried to shake it off as if magically by shaking it, it would help. It didn't, but I tried that and then got on with the rest of the day. And on Tuesday, sure enough, started again, and throughout most of the day, I could feel this, and I kept thinking, this is something wrong. And so late on the Tuesday afternoon, I phoned my doctor, and he said, yeah, we've just had a cancellation. Come in tomorrow morning. We'll have a look at it. And so I went in. He said, tell me what the problem is. And I explained, I'm getting an odd tingling and a pain here. And he said, okay, take off your shoes and sit up on the couch. And I said, but it's my arm. And he said, yes, I know, take off your shoes and sit up on the couch, which I did. And he examined my ankles, of all things, which I thought was strange. And then he examined my neck, and then he got out his stethoscope, and he listened to various parts, and he said, breathe in and breathe out. And he said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He said, clench your fists and then open them again. And he had a young nurse practitioner with him. And all the time he was giving her instructions and saying, did you see this and did you see that? And she's eagerly engaging and listening and wondering what's going on. And then he said, we're going to give you an ECG, lie down, which they did. They opened up my shirt and they put on all sorts of sticky things and then wired me up and did an ECG and it was perfectly clear. There was no trouble with the heart. And he said, yep, we've figured out what it is. You have a sore shoulder. <laughs> and I said, doctor, my shoulder's not hurting. My shoulder is fine. He said, what happens is that's where all the nerves gather and you're getting pain down here because you've got a nerve problem here. And he said it's fairly common. People tense up when they're driving or if they're typing. And have you been spending a lot of time typing recently? I said, I have. And he said, well, that's been it. And as soon as he said that, I thought, that's right. Yesterday, I was looking for traffic. And oh, gosh, that hurt a little when I tried to turn my head. And he gave me some exercises. And it's been fine. And my point in sharing that story was this that my doctor could see what I couldn't see. And when we come to Acts chapter 16, there are several times when God the Holy Spirit intervenes in a spectacular fashion because he could see what the Apostle Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke could not see. This morning, as we come to this passage, let's be aware of exactly what was going on here in Acts 16. Now, most of you are with us regularly enough on a Sunday morning to know that whenever we come to a passage of Scripture, we're always wanting to see it in its context. And the verse immediately before, verse 6, verse 5, 
gives us the context. New Testament scholars tell us this, that verse 6 is one of a series of universal summary passages that Luke slips into the book of Acts. Notice chapter 16, verse 5, and it reads like this. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. In Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul has completed what scholars call his first missionary journey. He's established churches in various places, not only from Jerusalem heading north and then heading, as you look at it, is going to be this way. And as he heads west, he's establishing churches in Galatia and uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Lystrum and Derbe and Colossae and various other places as well. And now he's going back to encourage them to pray for them, tell them he's thinking about them, and help establish well-founded, mature Christians in these congregations. And so, verse 5, the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew daily in number. And the Spirit of God was at work in an unprecedented fashion. And so, Paul, with some excitement, verse 6, along with his companions, traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now, imagine yourself as the Apostle Paul in the weeks leading up to this trip, he would be preparing. And of course, he would put together an itinerary. And he'd be asking for God to keep them safe on the journey. He'd be planning ahead to look and ask, where can we stay? What will we have to eat? And of course, in his mind, he would have it all mapped out. His plans, his hopes and dreams were at last coming to fruition. And off they went. Paul, Simeth, Timothy, Silas, and the author of Luke's Gospel. And incidentally, for those of you who were really paying attention, you noticed what was called the we passage, W-E, when Luke refers to himself in that passage. He says, we traveled uh, together towards the end of the passage. And so, off they went. And then this remarkable thing happens. Verse 6 having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the Word in the province of Asia. Can you see that? Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the Word in the province of Asia. Now, why would the Holy Spirit do that? Now, Paul knows, of course, that in the preaching of the gospel, lives are transformed. People are exposed for the first time to the life-altering love of God, and suddenly they realize that He is real. Suddenly they discover intimacy with God is a possibility, that their sins are forgiven, their lives are cleansed, they have purpose and direction and meaning in their life, and God is now a living reality all through the preaching of the gospel. And Paul has spent the last several years doing exactly that and watching the Holy Spirit at work, transforming lives, establishing churches, changing community. And now, just like that, the Holy Spirit has brought it to an end. Why would God do such a thing? If you were with us last Sunday morning, you will remember we touched on the Feast of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon individuals for the first time, and all received the Holy Spirit. 
And in chapter 1, I reminded you then that Jesus said to the disciples, remain in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes, because when He comes, you will have power from on high, and will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And now, the Holy Spirit, 16 chapters later, is putting an end to that in Asia. He stops Paul and the others preaching the Word. Now, why would the Holy Spirit do that? Please remember that the Holy Spirit knew and was aware of what Paul and his traveling companions were not aware of. Having asked the question, let's park that thought for a moment, and we'll come back in a few minutes. Paul was frustrated. He tried one thing after another after another. It wasn't coming to pass. What was God doing? In fact, later in the passage, the next verse, verse 7, it says, they tried, and they tried another route, thinking, well, obviously God had closed the door here. We will try Mysia, and so they went further south. And it says, and the Spirit of Jesus the Spirit of Jesus, the same Holy Spirit, stopped them once again and would not let them go any further. Occasionally, a couple will come and see me, and they will sit down in my office, and they will say, Richard, we really need your prayers. And I'll say, well, tell me a little more. And they will say something like this. We've been married for four and a half, five years now, and we have enjoyed every day of our married life. It has been God's great blessing to us. But for the last year, 18 months, things have not been going so well. We've been trying for a family, and we've tried and tried and tried, and it's not working. Over the last eight to ten months, we've been to see a number of specialists. The test results are not good, and it looks as though we will never have a family. Just pray for us, please. That's all we're asking. And I, of course, will probe a little further, a little further, a little further. And eventually, the story will come out that they are frustrated and they're hurting. They're hurting deeply. And inevitably, they will get round to questions of, Richard, why would God not give us children? Would it spoil some vast eternal plan if we had a wee one to nurse and love, to invest our life in, to watch them grow, send them to school, simply to love them and care for them. Would that really upset anyone? Why would God allow such a thing? Can He not give us children that we can enjoy the fullness and blessing of married life? What do you begin to say to people whose lives are falling apart? 
who are so bereft they cannot think straight, can't even begin the mental process because they are so wounded, so hurt. And they are quite naturally saying, Father, where are you in the midst of all of this? Why would you allow this to happen? Let's hold that thought and come back to the Apostle Paul. The Holy Spirit kept them from preaching the Word in Asia. And then, the next verse, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. I imagine Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke were saying, well, if this door is closed, that's quite a sound when God closes a door on you. That's quite a sound. Now, when He does it a second time, you can hear the turning of the key from the inside and then it being bolted at the top and the bottom, and you feel powerless. You don't know where to go next. And why on earth would this happen? And I imagine Paul and Silas and Timothy looking at each other and saying, well, (sighs) deep breath, carry on. Maybe this is the time for showing initiative. Maybe this is the time for a little creativity. This is the time to show leadership and perseverance. This is the time to act. Let's go further south. And so, off they go again. Folks, let me counsel you, please, to do this. When you find yourself in a place so dark, so distraught, so utterly wounded, it is a time for leadership. It is a time for taking action. It is time to take the initiative. Let me suggest in this way that when we are so badly wounded, the best kind of leadership that we can take is trust and patience and take that wound and come before the living God and say, Father, I do not understand why my marriage has fallen apart. I do not understand why you would bring grief and pain at this level into my life, and I am handing it over to you because I can no longer cope with it. I cannot deal with it. I cannot process it, and so I leave it with you, the living God to hand it over and to trust Him in the middle of it all. When you're so wounded. Forgive me, please, for a second illustration this morning, and it's a personal one, and it's a medical one as well. About six weeks ago, I went to see my dentist, and he said to me, Richard, you should make a two-hour appointment. But when I got there, it lasted four hours. And he worked on four teeth up here in the top left-hand side of my mouth, and it involved an implant, an extraction, a bone graft, and preparation for a crown. I think I can fairly reasonably say I've had better Monday mornings. And this past week, I went back after six weeks, and he looked at the wound, and he said, yep, it's healing nicely. And what he said next struck me in such an arresting fashion, I asked him to stop so I could write it down. And this is what he said. 
He said to me, Richard, it's going to be after Thanksgiving before we can really deal with this. But the wound is healing nicely. The tissue is growing again. It's healing from the inside out. And only time will bring growth and strength to that wound. Only time will bring growth and strength to that wound. And I wanted to say, I don't want to wait till after Thanksgiving. I've been on a liquid diet for six weeks. I've lost five and a half pounds, but I can't live on soup and smoothies for another three months. I want to eat, and I want to eat now. And he said this, unless you wait and allow the healing process, it will never function properly again. Isn't that incredible? That when we go through difficult days and we have been hurt and wounded, taking all of that, handing it over to the living God and saying, Father, I cannot deal with it. You must bring renewal and growth and healing and wholeness. I want to function again. I want to be yours. Allow me, please, to have intimacy with you once again when I begin to make sense of things. Help me. Heal me. Work with me. All of that is going on in this passage. And understand this. When Paul and his companions get to Troas, the Spirit of God gives them a vision during the night, do you realize the significance of what is about to take place? When the man from Macedonia comes to the Apostle Paul and says, come and help us, come and help us, for the first time in history, the gospel is moving as you look at it westward and establishes a beachhead on the continent of Europe. Paul was focused on Galatia. He was focused on Mysia and Bithynia, the places he'd been before, but God was taking him to a new place to Europe, and the gospel was about to break out there in Macedonia and Thessalonica and Philippi and Athens, and it would eventually capture the entire Roman world. And God knew what Paul did not know. And God needed Paul to trust him. He needed God to hand it over to him and to leave it right there. That takes supernatural power, especially when you want to do something, especially when you want to intervene, especially when you want to make it better. Handing it over takes real maturity and growth. When you find yourself in a dark place, the best thing to do is this is to begin to nurture and nourish and cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God that will enable you to understand exactly what He is doing, 
and why He has allowed this into our lives, in order that He will strengthen us and mature us and draw us to Himself in an ever-increasing, deeper fashion. Because He knows what we do not, and His primary purpose of working in our lives is to draw us much closer to Himself. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this remarkable passage of Scripture. Father, help us, please, to understand that when we lay our hearts before You and we pray to You, and that You seem not to answer but often your seeming rejection is, in fact, redirection. Enable us, please, to feel and sense you at work again in our lives. Enable us to nurture and nourish and cultivate a relationship with you, the living God, that is so profound that you will allow healing and wholeness to be at work in our lives. Father, bless us, strengthen us, mature us, for we ask it in and through the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. My name is Keith Gross, and I am Executive Director of Neighborhood Focus. Neighborhood Focus is a free, faith-based, out-of-school time program for under-resourced children and students here in Greenville. Uh, we accomplish our mission through uh, academic support and spiritual enrichment and life skills development for children ages K-5 through 12th grade. Our goal is to provide a foundation for future success. Neighborhood Focus offers the opportunity to get involved in real simple ways. You can come on a Friday night club, you can come spend your time during the school year and the after school program, also during the summer camps. Neighborhood Focus is a difference maker. They're a difference maker in the lives of young people. Well, I've been here since the program started, and what I love about it is we have an opportunity to pour ourselves into the kids and put God's Word in it. Out of all the years I've been doing this, it's just been a blessing to be able to just see the kids grow, see the counselors grow, and just the fellowship and the friendships they build over the years that I've been here. I see the continuity and I also see the community. You have children who are sharing the good news of Christ and they're sharing it amongst themselves and, and they're learning how to verbalize that and, and ways to do that to take it into their Christian walk and take it back hopefully to their community. While the kids would tell you that they love any opportunity they have to get wet and get the counselors wet, they have a great time. I would just always remember the love of the kids and how they're so much fun and they're so joyous and to watch them rush in and give us huge hugs. I made a lot of friends. We did a lot. We learned a lot, of, a lot more about God than I didn't know about. I've learned new things about God and uh, we've went to many field trips. We've had fun all summer. I like coming here because I can have fun for their games and I can go to field trips and have new friends. My daughter, she's nine years old. She told me that this is one of the best decisions you have ever made. The Neighborhood Focus After School Program uh, requires significant volunteer support to execute properly. 
The three areas that we have a primary need for volunteers include help with our uh, food program, including picking up meals and distributing meals to the children in the early afternoon. Secondly, uh, help with monitoring homework and assistance with one-on-one -on -one tutoring. And lastly, we're always in need of individuals that enjoy coming out and spending time in recreation with the children. The most important goal for Neighborhood Focus is to take our kids on a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. It's because of the generosity of partners like First Presbyterian Church that we're able to do what we do. If you'd like to join us in our effort to make a difference to this next generation, please let us know. We'd enjoy the opportunity to have you join our team.